comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Many of us know it as high blood pressure, but it's also called hypertension. What we're talking about is both the measured force and the resistance of blood running through the artery walls in your body. Sometimes the blood is being pumped so forcefully that it creates heart disease. To better understand hypertension, the risks, symptoms, and treatment, we've asked cardiologist Dr. Raymond Young of MedStar Heart and Vascular Institute to be with us here today. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk. And Dr. Young, thank you for your time. Thanks, Mike. I am thrilled and excited to be <laughs> here and to talk about hypertension. Um, it, it, it takes up a, a lot of your day, I take it. It does. It does. Um, you know, hypertension is one of those conditions at the forefront of cardiovascular disease, right? Like, so it's, it contributes to a lot of the downstream ailments, the, the big things that you worry about, heart attacks, heart failure, strokes, kidney disease, right? So really honing in and uh, trying to mitigate hypertension is, 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 is very important. It's kind of like the foundation of a house. Kind of- I, I would say it's like the foundation of a house. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have sturdy beams. You have to treat that blood pressure if you want to reduce cardiovascular disease. So at the, at the beginning, we gave a description of, of uh, blood pressure. I mean, how do you define it? I mean, what are those two numbers and, and, and what, are, what do they mean? Sure. So, so blood pressure, right? So blood pressure is the pressure within the vast network of blood vessels that course throughout our bodies, right? And so why do we need blood pressure, right? So all of our organs, tissues, cells require oxygen-rich nutrients, right? And it's the the blood vessels in the heart is how blood flow gets to those organs and tissues, right? So your brain, your liver, your kidneys, your lung, even your, your big toe needs blood flow, right? And without it, those organs and tissues can't do their job, right? It's just like um, a garden hose, right? So when you're watering your, your flowers, you need a certain pressure within that hose, right? If the pressure is reduced within the hose, then the flowers don't get any flow. They don't get any water to be nourished, if the pressure's too high, what happens to your flowers, Mike? <laughs> you damage your flowers, they're done, right? So you need a just right blood pressure so your organs can work. Uh, what are the what are the guidelines? What what what? Yeah, what do you want to see a patient be? So uh, so the guidelines uh, say optimal blood pressure is one twenty over eighty, and so I tell them, all my patients, I want you around one twenty over eighty. Right. So so just by definition, elevated blood pressure is a blood pressure between a systolic blood pressure between 120. And I'll come back to the systolic and diastolic in just a sec. But elevated blood pressure is a systolic blood pressure or a top number between 120 and 129. Stage one high blood pressure is between 130 and 139. And stage two high blood pressure or hypertension is above 140. And what we know for a fact is if you have hypertension, that doubles your risk of a cardiovascular event. What's a cardiovascular event, Mike? Um, stroke, um, heart attack, uh, heart failure, uh, the development of kidney disease. So um, I tell all my patients, 120 over 80, let's shoot for it. Some patients actually respond 
well, you know, that's not going to work for me. Uh, that's not my blood pressure. Well, that's what we need to <laughs> we need to make it work for you because that's an optimal blood pressure. Um, so they're the, the the safe and scary ranges. Does that work for some of them? Do they say, all right, well, let me see what I can do? Well, well, when I explain to them the downstream complications from hypertension, uh, I think it at least gives most of my patients incentive to at least to be more thoughtful and to try to strive for that optimal blood pressure 120 over 80. I'm going to blame the American system of uh, maybe exercise or lack thereof and the way that foods get into our body. It seems to me like when I've been told I need to do something, you know, they, they want me to start doing the exercise and they want me to get rid of the salt and salt seems to be in everything is why are, why is that kind of advice that I've gotten in the past? Why is that something that perhaps you would give or, or do you give other advice? Yeah, no. So I think when we're thinking about some of the causes of hypertension, which as we discussed is at the forefront of the development of cardiovascular disease um, there, we, we can kind of um, think about, the risk factors and the causes of hypertension in two categories. One, non-modifiable risk factors, right? And that's usually something like your family history, right? So if mom, dad, your brothers and sisters, your siblings, your auntie um, had hypertension, you're more than likely to develop hypertension at some point. But the problem is you really can't do anything about that, right? Like that's part of your genetic makeup. So we really, really harp on those modifiable risk factors. And I tell my patients so often, right? Things like you just mentioned, Mike, diet, right? Exercise, um, weight loss. Those are the cheap, safe things that makes so much of a difference. But they seem so hard to people. Oh, it is the hard work. You got to do the hard work though, right? It, it, yes, it is. It's a lifestyle change. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's, and I think you have to, and I think we were talking about it earlier about fasting. It's, it's a way of thinking about things differently. Right. And I think to be successful, you need to start with realistic goals that you can accomplish. Right. So I tell my patients who may be sedentary, I say, well, why don't you, Walk or park a little further from your job so you can get a little bit more leg time in, a little bit more walking. Or why don't you, instead of walking or taking the elevator to the second floor, walk, right? So small things to make overall larger lifestyle changes. So, and again, these are cheap, safe things that have much, so much benefit downstream. But you're asking people to have discipline. You're asking people to control their left and their right hand because no one else is feeding them. Sure, sure. That, that, that is right. But discipline with, with a, a goal and a, an end game, right? And I, I recall recently telling one of my patients who has hypertension, who has diabetes, the traditional risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And it's interesting because I also take care of one of his close family members who has some, some substantial cardiovascular disease. And um, I would see him, I've seen him the last couple of visits and his blood pressure was always elevated. And we had a long and thorough discussion and it really boiled down to his diet, right? He loved those breakfast sandwiches (laughs) from a very popular (laughs) um, place with a clown. It doesn't have a clown, (laughs) uh, but you've run to it. 
Oh, got it. <laughs> he loved those breakfast sandwiches. And essentially, I, I told him, I said, it's, it's going to have to come down to that bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit or dialysis at some point. Mm. You got, and you got to make a difference. And I, and I think, and, and, it's, and, it's, and, and it's kind of a scare tactic, but it's, it's real. And I have plenty of patients who I've seen um, develop uh, significant problems from hypertension um, just, for, just from not controlling it. And the thing about the other thing about hypertension, Mike, is a lot of it is um, patient managed, right? So if I see you every month and your blood pressure is elevated every time, what are you doing those 29 days in between? Are you checking your blood pressure? Are you being vigilant about those things? And so you're right. Uh, it does require discipline, but discipline with an end game to reduce those cardiovascular events that we know are associated with hypertension. I get the feeling that your patients probably listen to you because you're, you seem to have a good sense of motivation. Are you able to motivate people to, to have that discipline to say, let's take some small steps and let's work towards it? Because it seems to me like a lot of people just want, well, give me the pill. Right. Right. And, and so to answer your question, I feel like I'm, I'm successful in engaging a patient to become motivated um, in their own health care. Probably, I would say I have maybe an 80, 90 percent hit rate or, or they're just or they're just telling me what they want. Right. But I, I feel like I feel like I, I am. I do have patients who will call me within a week. Doc, these are my blood pressures. What do you think? Right. And are more vigilant. And and I'm and I let patients know I'm I'm in that fight with them. And why that's so important to me is because I, I see the effects, right? So I'll give I'll give you I'll share an experience. I have had a patient, or I have a patient. He is uh, he reminds me of me because we're around the same age. I met him maybe three or four years ago, has hypertension, but he's an active guy, and it's just never controlled. I would see him every couple of months. His blood pressure would be in the 160s, 170s. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I didn't take my medicines, doc. I'm like, you got to take the me- you take your medicines. Hypertension is a silent killer. And I'll come back to the silent killer thing in a sec. He's like, I know, I know. And he got lost. And he, had a, he had actually had a little bit of kidney disease at the time, maybe two or three years ago. And I saw him this spring after being lost to follow up for about two years. And... Of course, his blood pressure was uncontrolled. He wasn't taking his meds. And now he has stage five kidney disease and mm. will likely be requiring dialysis before the end of the year. And, and I know 99.9% with 99.9% that this is likely the effect of untreated high blood pressure. Wow. I would, I would bet money. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's real, folks. It, it definitely is real. It's definitely real. You're the other phrase you just used what the, the silent killer? Yes. Oh God. So uh, if if the listeners don't learn anything, realize that hypertension is a silent killer. It is a deadly assassin. Uh, what does that mean? A lot of people walk around with elevated blood pressures, 150s, 160s. Not super high, right? But elevated, and it's either because they don't know their blood pressure is elevated. Or they know it's elevated and they're not making the necessary efforts to really reduce it to the normal goals. And so the thing is, they feel fine, right? 
they don't have any symptoms, right? And I, I often get like, hey, we need to add another medication. Your blood pressure's not at goal. We need to increase it. Really, doc? Do we really need to add another medicine? I feel fine. Well, everyone feels fine until they don't, <laughs> just like my patient, right? And so hypertension is a, is a, is a deadly assassin. A, a blood pressure of 150 over 90 might not make you feel bad today. It may not make you feel bad tomorrow. It may not make you feel bad next month or even next year. But uncontrolled hypertension will have very bad downstream effects. You're not going to have as many tomorrows. Correct. Correct. You may not feel bad today, but how many more tomorrows do you have? Right. Right. So, again, everyone feels good until they don't. It's just like just like your car, Mike. Right. So you take your car for an oil change. Right. Even when it's running normal, <laughs> you go to the doctor, cardiologist to check up on your blood pressure so you won't get those downstream effects. Right. So the treatment, if I hear from you, is obviously the things that we're told we're supposed to do, which is regular exercise and get some control over our eating and probably fewer salts and things like that. The safe, cheap things. The safe, cheap things. Um, and then... Some people, though, they do need the medications. Is that absolutely? Is that where you go? What what do you what do you do for them? So, um, well, for a newly diagnosed uh, hypertensive patient, uh, I usually give them you know a couple of weeks of lifestyle changes, and most people will harp on that, right? They say, "Well, let me let me eliminate those those potato chips. Let me eliminate those." The, the popcorn out of my diet. Let me let me get back to walking. You know, COVID, the pandemic, I couldn't get to the gym, right? And so most people are very eager to for those lifestyle changes. And so I'll give them a try, right? And how many of the ones that you ask them to do that succeed? Uh, I, I would probably say less than 50%. Yeah, that would... Yeah, probably less than 50%. But, uh, you know, like I said, hypertension, is there's a, there's a lot of contributions. Right. So, you know, if they don't reach those goals um, after lifestyle changes, then it's usually time for medication. And I usually tell patients, you know, you don't have to be on a medication uh, for the rest of your life, right? If there's something that's reversible, let's say, for instance, the patient who's overweight, right, or has sleep apnea, right, which are contributions to hypertension, if they try to make lifestyle changes for six weeks um, and the blood pressure is still elevated, I'll start them on the medicine, say, hey, keep working on the weight. Let's get this sleep apnea treated and let's see where we go. And that's sometimes enough. Yes, that is sometimes enough. I feel like you're talking right to me because you actually you've ticked off a lot of things. that have happened. Mike, I am. I know, but <laughs> but I've got my sleep apnea under control and I've lost 25 pounds and I'm doing the healthy weight stuff and the numbers are better, though. Yeah. So it, it, you know, and yeah, there's some medication in there too, I will, uh, but that's okay. Whatever it takes to get it down. So yeah. I find it fascinating to talk to you because, you know, all the things that you've been told to do. And then when you actually do them and you do the hard work, mm -hmm. it pays off. Absolutely. And you feel better. Absolutely. You know, so I, I, I love hearing uh, what you're saying so far, but in the medication aspect of mm -hmm. it, are there, there are different kinds. Is it just sort of like one thing that a lot of people respond to or, or do you have to kind of play with them and see oh God, what works it's, for different people? There's so many, I, I guess, um, combinations, right? Like there's, there's, and, and each medicine works differently for everyone, right? So the medicines come in classes and uh, the medications either help the blood vessels relax 
some medications are diuretics. They, um, they reduce sodium and fluid retention, right? So patients are urinating a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> patients don't like that. Uh, and some medications actually reduce the forceful contraction of the heart. And there are guidelines um, for different medications, when to start, what to start, combinations. But every, every patient is individualized. You know, what the guideline may say, is it may say, hey, my, this medication may work for Mike, but you got to try it and see right. what works. Right. So it's, it's all individualized. And then how long do you sort of give a patient? When do you want to see him? OK, someone presents himself to you today and, you know, they're a hot mess mm-hmm. and, you know, they're up in that, uh, you know, 140 and above area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when do you want to see him? You're going to tell them to do certain things. When do you want to see them again? Sure. I usually give them a couple of weeks you know, two to four weeks to come back or at least call, right? Like, yeah. and I often, I often will tell patients, Hey, let's purchase a blood pressure cuff. Well, that was my next question, which is, uh, yeah. How do you know what your blood pressure is? You right. Know, right. Yeah. So let's purchase a blood pressure cuff. Let's get you involved in the process. Yeah. Let's not make it a once a month visit where you keep coming back to me with the blood pressure. Let's get you involved and you checking it at home, giving me a call. To see where, what it is. Well, where you also don't have the excuse of, oh, yeah, you're in the doctor's office, so of course you're going to be stressed out. Right, you right. Know, which is, you know, can be stressful. Right, absolutely. But if you're stressed at home, well, then that, that's your number, right? Right, right. Which makes it more honest for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So in, you want to see that, and let's say after, you know, a month or two, it hasn't happened, and that's when you'll ask them to continue on with? Well, I usually, hopefully, hopefully I've started a medication that has what we call titration room meaning that I can increase the doses. What most people want to do is they want to promote compliance, right? So no person, including me, wants to go to the doctor and every time you go, they're adding on a new medicine, right? Right. So I want to start something that has a lot of doses. So if we can get your blood pressure controlled with one medication, great. Yeah. One once a day medication at that. Well, that actually makes me want to back up, like, you know, the patients that you've had or friends who've said, well, I'm not taking my medicine. Well, why not? Why aren't they taking it? Yeah. I think I think a lot of times, again, the silent killer, right? They feel fine. And they're not taking anything else, perhaps. So they're not in a routine of, you know, I got to take my vitamin or my cinnamon or whatever other crazy things. you know. Right. So if they're not in the habit of taking anything regularly, they're just, they're not in the habit. So. Right. And then we all, we all are busy, right? Yeah. And so we all have busy lives. And so sometimes taking medications when you otherwise feel fine is not a priority. So again, I, I think that's when scare tactics come in. This, this, is, this is real. This is what can happen downstream. You might feel okay today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, but this, this can be a problem. So let's figure out, let's create a plan where we can be successful. Because my, my, I think my, personally, my, my biggest victories with my patients are my boring patients. <laughs> my patients who, I come, we're talking about their grandkids. We're talking about what vacation they went to. We're not talking about, they just got out of the hospital. Or we're not talking about, oh my God, this is, this is the third visit and your blood pressure is still sky high. My victories are my boring patients, right? Because we're, we're talking about life. We're not talking about, because their conditions, their, their, um, their health status is stable. That's great. That is that is really fantastic. And then of the people who, if, if they remain untreated, uh, uh, stroke, kidney, um, heart attack. Yes. Yeah. What what are are they all sort of split evenly among that, or is there one that's more? It's it's. I, I couldn't tell you um, untreated hypertension. What will you most likely have? 
will you <laughs> most likely have a stroke, heart attack, heart failure, kidney disease? Those right? are three awful options. Right. So, the, I, I mean, I think I'm thinking about them and most people are thinking about them all the same. Like, I don't think anyone, yeah, if, if you're in a classroom, like if they're like, who wants a heart attack versus right, a stroke, right. right? Like, I don't think anyone's raising their hand, right? Pick me, me. <laughs> right, right. So I think they're, they're and, and these are what we call target organ damage in yeah. targets, the, the, the complications of hypertension. So to, to wrap this up, are, are certain people more likely to develop high blood pressure? Well, so African-Americans are actually um, disproportionately affected, and, and that's multifactorial, Mike. Um, there's social determinants. There mm-hmm. are um, re- reduced access to health care, mm-hmm. and African-Americans are um, likely more likely to develop hypertension at a younger age. It's more likely to be more severe or refractory, meaning not as responsive to traditional medications. And African-Americans also have uh, more complications from hypertension. So for your African-American patients, I'm sure you let them know that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's actually interesting because there was recently um, a study about two or three years ago. It was called a Black Barbershop Study. And what they did was they did uh, black men who had hypertension. There There were two interventions. One intervention was the traditional pathway, right? You were treating your hypertension, you're going to the doctor, and your doctor's kind of titrating your medication. The other intervention was the barber actually encouraging the the patients working with the pharmacist. And the of course the outcomes were much better in, you know, those community based pushes. Because it was just more trusted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This has nothing to do with uh, hypertension, but you love what you do. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I mean, I got into this and, you know, to help people. I want to treat everyone like family. And um, and like I said, I you know, there's a lot of things that we can do for our health that are very safe and very cheap. You know, I often see patients who come in for what we call cardiovascular screening. They say, Doc, let me get this test. Let me get this $3,000 test. I'm like, cool, we can do a test. But after it's normal, uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about your blood pressure? What are we going to do about your diabetes after it's normal? Because just because your test is normal today, you still have 20, 30, 40, 50 years to live, right? So we got to mitigate those risk factors. And hypertension is one risk factor that is modifiable. Why do people want the tests like that? They just want to kind of let themselves off the hook? Well, I, th- I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's sort of indoctrinated in American culture. The same thing like you mentioned, people want a pill. Like people don't want to do the work, right? Like I have a cough, give me a pill. I have this, give me a pill. Where's my shot? Right, so, <laughs> so if, if someone is saying, look, I want to know if I have heart disease, give me the test. And that's fine. And, and, I think, and I think most of the time, if you have risk factors, it's important to screen. But the, the, the biggest thing, and I always tell my patients, the biggest thing, like, okay, after this test is negative or normal, what are we going to do from there? We're going to do the hard work. Right, because I, I can still see you five years from now having a heart attack. Thank you very much for your time. We've been talking with Dr. Raymond Young at MedStar Union Memorial Hospital. Dr. Young, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. For appointments with Dr. Young, you can call 443-444-4700.